Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. from Coolidge, Arizona. We welcome everyone uh, who has tuned into the broadcast today to our continuing class on the Gospel of John as it concerns the Messiah of God and, of course, the great teachings of the Gospel that we find within this Gospel letter. Um, it is April the 25th, 2021, just a beautiful day in Arizona and pretty much away across the country, I guess. Even though we actually hear of snow in the northern parts, but it certainly isn't here. We are in episode number 33, and in the ninth chapter, we're going to close that out today and start into the tenth chapter of John. Um, Our... uh, lesson is going to pick up today um, about the 34th verse of chapter 9 in John. Now, the beginning, the, the meat of this chapter, of course, has to do with the man born blind that had been healed by Jesus, given his sight. This is something, uh, a miracle that had never been recorded. Um, and yet it was, uh, this was done in sight of many people. And we have not only the miracle, if that's not enough, now we have the great teaching concerning who Jesus is and the great, uh, as we know, as we've been going along here, this is a long narrative starting way back in chapter 7, um, as Jesus is teaching in Jerusalem. But there are many there that are believing in what he is doing and saying, uh, things they're seeing and hearing. But there are a a group uh, that are opposing pretty much everything that he does. 
And we know, of course, uh, this man, uh, this blindness was healed on the Sabbath, even though you wouldn't think that would violate even the stringence of the legalistic law, but nonetheless, it's just the concept of it. Uh, they've forgotten what it meant. So, this is where we're at. Um, now, the Pharisees have just, uh, are just about to, in other words, the last word here in verse 33 is, is from the man that was healed, and he says to the Pharisees in response to all of their badgering, he says, if this one were not from God, he were, he were not able to do anything. So the logic, of course, is a little hard to get around. Uh, their response, of course, is what we're going to be reading. And then um, uh, we, we carry on then um, with uh, Jesus' words after that. Now, friends, you know, um, this blind man, the man born blind and now healed, is going to be thrown out of the synagogue which was a bad situation for the Jews in that day. Uh, they were like being excommunicated. Uh, they were put out, uh, no longer part of the body, and that sort of thinking. And why? Um, he should have been a, a spokesman for the things of God, but nonetheless, he's being put out because he failed to deny the man from Nazareth. Jesus, whom they claim they don't know. Uh, they don't know where he's from. They don't know anything about him. Well, I, I'm, I'm just really wondering if that's it's true or, uh, at all. Uh, if they knew what they should know about him and could know, they would be seeking him out. But friends, it reminds me that many Christians have also been cast out of religions of men put out of uh, this religion and that religion because they will not deny, alter, or ignore the words of Jesus and his holy apostles. Now that's where we're at. As a matter of fact, this started, uh, this started in the first century A.D. Uh, with men coming up with their own doctrines and, and it seems like whenever men uh, have their own sets of doctrines, the words of Jesus and the commands of Jesus through the apostles seem to fall on uh, uh, pretty rocky ground and pretty much are ignored. So we find this all around us and we're not going to deal with, with that uh, because, you know, when you're dealing with the negative, that's, all, that's what you end up with. Um, we know who these people are. The, the history books are full of it. The way to combat false teaching is to teach the Word of God, is to examine and study the Word of God. And then the, when the falsehood comes, you won't have to debate it. You'll simply know, and you can reject it. It's called putting on the armor of Christ. That's right. Preparing yourself. Uh, it reminds me of uh, what I've read for years about uh, People who work in banks, especially those that are dealing with counterfeit money. And the way people are trained to discover counterfeit money is that they are trained for many, many weeks only handling the real thing. The minute the false one hits their hand, they know it. I think that's incredible. That's exactly the same thing we do with the Bible. That's, the Bible is the remedy for false teaching, uh, not tars and feathers or tarring and feathering, even though you might like to. Um, it's not that effective. There's always somebody in the wings to take over. John chapter 9, verse 34 through 41. Let's hear, uh, let's hear the words. <clears throat> the blind man, or the healed man, he used to be blind, he was man born blind, which is the real distinction. But they answered unto him, In sin thou wast born altogether, and thou dost teach us? 
and they cast him forth without. Well, you'll recognize the language in that verse is, uh, is uh, England of about 1870 or 80 there. Uh, we don't really speak like that, but it gets the point across, and all the words are there. And, of course, this is the, uh, this is the perfect example of corruption uh, and, and of the religious hierarchy that existed in the days of Jesus. Um, they were not to be taught. Matter of fact, they wouldn't even listen to good conversation or a good point of view. Uh, the corrupt are not easy to talk to and, or to convince of a truth. Let's move on. Verse 35. This had happened. But Jesus heard that they cast him forth without. And having found him, he said to him, Dost thou believe in the Son of God? And he answered and said, Who is he, sir, that I may believe in him? And Jesus said to him, Thou hast both seen him, and he who is speaking with thee is he. And he said, I believe, sir, and bowed before him. Verse 39. And Jesus said, For judgment I to this world did come, but those not seen, that those not seen, exactly, let me correct, may see, and those seen may become blind. Now Jesus said this, and in verse 40, and it, it says, And those of the Pharisees who were uh, with him heard these things, and they said to him, Are we also blind? Jesus said to him, If you were blind, you were not, ha you were not having had sin, but now... You say, we see, therefore doth your sin remain. All right, let's talk about what's been said here. Well, we talked about verse 34, but in verse 35 we find that Jesus now has, he finds the man healed and asks him a very important question. Um, important for him and certainly important for the reader of this text. Um, and the man gives the proper responses in both verse uh, 36 and 38. In verse 36, I think what he does, he asks the proper question. He doesn't simply agree to something because he really wasn't in a position to know the answer to that. <clears throat> Dost thou believe in the Son of God? You know, that's quite a concept for Israel, isn't it? Because their most highest command, and, I can, and Jesus spoke it himself, Hear, O Israel, your God is one. Our God is one. Now Jesus is talking about the Son of God. Now they understood the concept of Son of God. The angels are considered the sons of God. The, um, the faithful patriarchs were sons of God in that sense. And so were the faithful Jews. But this is the Son of God with the singular attachment there. Now... Um, in verse 37, Jesus makes a proclamation, Thou hast both seen him. Well, now, I didn't check that word seen. I'm not sure that's one that requires vision uh, but, uh, or just understanding. Um, so I, I'd have to go to the... I think it is, I think it is a, a, a staring... To stare at, as uh, Strong's put it. Okay, so it, it, this one is something of, of sight, mm -hmm. uh, physical sight. Yeah. Uh, I could. He, he could be wrong here. I'm not, I, sure. I'm not. I'm not sure. Yeah. There's there's so many ones 
but the point is, uh, we know that he was blind before, so he couldn't have seen Jesus. But in a sense, in the truer sense, if he believes that God is responsible for his sight, he has indeed seen him, okay, in that sense. But he also adds, he who is speaking with thee is he. So it's cleared up. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus makes a real proclamation here of being the Son of God. Might I add, the Trinitarians always use this concept as pointing out uh, the, the second person in the Godhead. Uh, I've, I've never read of any positions within the Godhead. Uh, there's one. There's one God and one Father. Uh, but we're talking about Jesus says Son of God. So he is the Son of God, not God the Son. That's the, the qualification. But the Bible never uses God the Son how, in that how, sense. How well learned would this blind man have been? I mean, he was... He was a beggar in the street before this. How much well, would he have known? His responses to the Pharisees in the earlier verses here um, really are are quite quite good, I think. Um, there again, he I think being blind, he may have been paying attention to everything that was read in synagogue. I think he listened well. You know, sometimes that we. When we have a shortcoming in one place, we make up for it in another, and um, uh, that—that's another point of uh, final inspection in the most precise of work in the world. Uh, people that can't see are the very best at it. They're feeling for things like uh, little tiny burrs or irregularities, things like that. Um, because their senses are heightened in those areas. Um, and that's just, that's free. There won't be any extra charge for that today. But nonetheless, it's true. So I really think he, he did have a good understanding. But I, I think the, the Jews, you know, this was a requirement of, of a Jewish person to learn, especially the men, to a higher degree than the women, Although the women had teachers too, uh, amongst the, the women, and, and for their, their role in, in the life they were living. Um, and it was good information. They had the scriptures, so they read them, presented them, and that was the right thing to do. Um, so, and then in verse 38, he, after Jesus tell, says these words, that it, um, he who was speaking with thee is he, he said, I believe, sir, and he bowed before him. Now, this word, uh, this idea of bowed, you know, in the, Young uses the word bowed. There's other words used in other versions. Uh, but in, in, the, uh, in the Bible, we find that Worship is is always uh, is always part of some physical action, uh, bowing or or laying on your face. And remember when uh, Jesus uh, calmed the storm one time, and, and all of the uh, the apostles in the boats laid on their face. They were worshiping him. That's what it said. And there's different Greek words for worship. Uh, but the highest form of worship was to be on your face in front of uh, the object of your worship. In this case, it would be Jesus. So bowing to means prostrating himself before. Uh, that's an, a physical action that shows what he's doing. So, you know, this always brings to mind the issue of sitting in the pew in church doesn't seem to be the, as far as the ancients would, would see, I don't think they would see a lot of uh, worship attitude, posture of worship. Although we have other things that we do that are similar to it, such as bowing, or bowing our head uh, on our knees, that sort of thing, have kind of replaced the, the uh, 
the Oriental method here uh, that we read about in the Bible and other places too. So this was uh, this was uh, this was the real the real thing for him. He really did believe. And then Jesus goes on with his words uh, with a real pronouncement, if you will, uh, on the attitude and the actions of the unbelieving Pharisees that were uh, within the midst there, saying, your sins remain. And to me, you know, that is the hopeless condition that if it is not resolved through through the pattern that God has supplied the world and mankind, it will remain. Sin will remain in the life of everyone that has not resolved this problem, this separation between God and and that person. And the resolution, of course, is found through Jesus Christ, his son, obeying the gospel, the terms of pardon, whichever phrase you'd rather, rather use. So, I added here that there is a cure for blindness. Isn't that what Jesus is saying here about all this blindness? Those that can see are actually blind. Mm-hmm. And, and the, the real cure for blindness is uh, a blindness that will bring you eternal destruction instead of just a loss of sight is to have faith in Jesus as Lord. Jesus said it. Dost thou believe in the Son of God? He's bold bold and strong to, to say it. And that's verse 35. And without that belief, we have a real blindness. And so the chapter ends with this this idea but it moves right on right on you know I don't know how much time between the recording of this chapter and then uh, chapter 10 it could have been right away I think I'm trying to find a break in this Uh this talk and there there could have been but I don't know doesn't feel like a whole lot of it doesn't feel like it there is going to come a time when we start talking about it being winter. Uh, that that's about um, I don't know. It, it might be chapter twelve or eleven even. Um, yes. So my my uh, new American standard new mm-hmm. American standard says, "Do you believe in the Son of Man?" Yes. And Alex looked it up. Yeah, and it's it, it is. Uh, it is the son of the the man, which is interesting. Yeah. yeah. And it's and it's also also uses believing in you know and it uses ice as opposed to in and it's a it's transition believing yeah. into the son into, of the man. Yeah. Well, they're used interchangeably by Jesus. They, they are. Uh, now here's here's the concept: the son of God, the son of man. Well. If Jesus isn't the son of man, mankind, actually, the word would be human race there. Um, it's not just the male. Um, is the, the, the concept is he's flesh and blood. That's exactly right. And that's very, 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 very important. And that's why the whole concept of... of uh, uh, the the Trinity has a real problem with the flesh and bloodness, oh, yeah. the humanity of of Christ, and yet if we have we have no no doctrine. Uh, we don't have our high priest isn't who he claims to be. Our high priest is Jesus Christ. He he is supposed to know every aspect of being a human, so he can sympathize with us, so he can. Uh, uh, be our mediator between us and the Father on our behalf because of his understanding this could not possibly be if he was only looked as a man and was totally uh, spiritual. So all that happened on the cross then was a performance. Uh, 
the burial was the three days in a dark room, you know, it, it, no, none of it works. So he is the son of man. Uh, isn't it interesting that uh, Young's uses the uh, the word God where it would have been more appropriate to, it wouldn't, it doesn't change the meaning of any of it, but certainly, um, and then of course there's the whole concept of the son of David in, involved in this too, and on it goes. Uh, you know, they had to have this um, this physical level of Jesus being a man. He had to be a Jewish man descended from David through Mary, in this case, through the prophet, uh, through the uh, son of David, Nathan, instead of Solomon. Um, that's That was the lineage here. So, yeah, good question. Good good catch there. Um, you know, just in the last hours of his life, he was challenged at least twice about his humanity. You know, hey, if you're who you say you are, do your thing. Yeah. And, um, you know, he didn't deny that he could, but he didn't because that... That wasn't the plan then. That's right. And that wasn't his will then, or it might have been his will, or at least partially it, but it wasn't the Father's will. And so as a man, he was challenged to do supernatural things because he had done them before through the power of God. It, it's, in, it's, a, it's an interesting thing, but his madness, his, his humanity is key for us. It's everything. It really is. And we, we try to stress that because the Bible does. The Bible stresses it. The New Testament stresses it. The apostles stretch, uh, stress and always refer to him as, as a man. Never the hint of anything other than that. Um, you know, if Christ, you know, if Christ refers to the Father, then we should refer to the Father. That's right. In the same way. And the very words of Jesus, you know, he, he's not in any way denying this. Uh, it is what it is. It, and I can't tell you why the alteration. Uh, I don't know what it benefits, except that when you... Um, the idea of the Trinity and even Calvinism itself is abhorrent to many large followings of people in their own types of religions. Uh, those things are an obstacle to them. And they, when someone says, you need to be a Christian, they think of what they know of Christianity, which is Rome, yep. Trinity, the Calvinistic doctrines, and the catechism of the Catholic Church. And believe me, those obstacles are more than most people want to deal with. All right. Now, if if they go ahead and dig out all the falsehood, you know they're going to find a glimmer of truth uh, within Christianity, even in those places if they look. But it's been clouded so badly. So where do we go? <laughs> we go back to the scriptures. Amen. And in there we find. As they always say, uh, the apostles knew nothing of uh, the uh, things such as uh, apostolic succession. Matter of fact, they knew just the opposite. Only, only through the laying on of the apostles' hands were the gifts given. They saw it in their own time. Yeah. Taken away in their own time. And, and taken away in their own time. You know, and yet... That's one of the big. That's the reason that you could build the Vatican is to because of apostolic succession. You're you're pleasing God. You're the vicar. You know is there, and so all this falsehood that other people can see through very clearly. Um, in other major religions that are completely wrong in their own nature. So that's good, but you see. 
even at the beginning of this, bringing the new covenant in, bringing the kingdom of God into the world was a difficult task. It's very difficult, was difficult then, and it's very difficult today also, uh, after nearly two two, uh, millennial periods. Well, as we move on to chapter 10, it seems like he's just speaking to the same group here <laughs> because he's talking about some of the things that um, that he's mentioned before, of course. Uh, but he uses a different task here. Uh, he's going to try to teach them using a different approach, if you will, a new set of circumstances um, uh, the scripture itself here, or maybe it's just Young's calls it uh, uh, solemnitudes. Uh, in other words, these things all represent things that they understand well, the concept of. They understood about the concept of tending sheep and doing other things concerning uh, uh, other animals or, or planting and harvesting and um, uh, that was a way of life for them. Uh, they understood these things. They understood about building. Uh, so many times uh, things, building things were used as um, uh, illustrations. So this is what's going to happen here. And uh, beginning thoughts here before we read it is Jesus using these solemnitudes is going to bring, try to bring a clear distinction, if you will, between him, Jesus of Nazareth, and all the other false prophets and false messiahs of which there had been some, some good number of in the past that had come to pray beforehand upon the people. And by the way, there were still false prophets and messiahs after Jesus was gone. Uh, during the final years of, of uh, Israel, it was, uh, it was terrible. Um, it got to the point so badly that the real opposition, the real Jews that were destined, uh, all they wanted to do is destroy everyone, they hunted down every man that was from the tribe of Judah and killed him on the spot. Because they wanted no one, no male from Judah coming and saying, I'm the Messiah. So if you eliminate them all, you would eliminate one big problem. So uh, not that just being a male from the tribe of Judah it was a, a disgrace. It was they understood what it meant. Um, Nonetheless, that's, that's just history. That's not the Bible. Uh, but this is what's happening, and Jesus does a wonderful job of making this distinction, I believe, um, and I think it's worth uh, really looking into. Um, this is, uh, oh, we can just look at the first ten verses of this text. And Jesus starts out with the verily, verily, or amen, amen, and uh, making clear that these things are, of course, very important and true to listen to, uh, for they are the basis of truth. I say to you, he who is not entering through the door to the fold of the sheep, but is going up from another side, that one is a thief and a robber. Now, that's how he starts this, but you see, that's the introduction to what he's talking about. The, the one, the, the word is shepherd. The one that actually is the shepherd. You see, that's what the false prophets and the false messiahs are saying they are. They are the shepherd of Israel. No, they weren't. The Pharisees believed they were the shepherds of Israel, and so did the priests and even the Sadducees, as far as that goes, because of their learned nature and such. But there's more to the shepherd than just education. He goes on to say, And he who is entering through the door is shepherd 
of the sheep. So now he's set the, the course here. The shepherd must go through the door into the sheep. Fully, fully seen by all. That's right. And and it's not in secret. It's not even. It's not in the dark. Or okay. It's it, in other words. I noted here on this verse. Jesus comes in the right way. Yes. He comes in the right way. The way that the Messiah was actually to come. He is legitimate in his role. So he is the one sent from God. He is the anointed one. See, all of this works together, friends. Verse 3. To this one, the doorkeeper doth open. And the sheep hear his voice. And his own sheep he doth call by name. And doth lead them forth. And when his own sheep he may put forth, before them he goeth on, and the sheep follow him, because they have known his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but will flee from him, because they have not known the voice of strangers. This solemnitude spoke uh, Jesus to them. And they knew not what the things were that he was speaking to them. So let's pause here. Um, I think this is so interesting. They knew not. In other words, the Pharisees that were listening, those that were in opposition to him, and not all were, remember, there were some here that were hanging on his every word and really had an understanding. But when they say they knew not what things were that he was speaking to them, they were putting aside their understanding of the shepherd, the sheep, the gatekeeper, all of these things that they knew well. Uh, They just didn't believe in Jesus. They had no belief in who he said he was. They believed him not. But Jesus is putting forth here that he is the true shepherd of Israel. And if that be the case, friends, then that means that they are not the true shepherd of Israel. A role that they have assumed for some long time. So, And Jesus has lots to say uh, uh, about these things. Well, let's finish the passage, and then we can uh, dive into it here. Verse 7, Jesus said, therefore, again to them, Verily, verily, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. That is the true way. All, as many as came before me, are thieves and robbers. But the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. Through me, if anyone may come in, he shall be saved. And he shall go, uh, come in and go out and find pasture. All these things they understood. Finding pasture. This was important to the sheep. Without that, they die. The thief doth not come except that he may steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and may have it abundantly. Jesus has come boldly in the light of day, boldly speaking with signs and wonders and words of truth and encouragement not in the secret secret places that causing people to sin in any way. He's been accused of it, such as healing on the Sabbath and doing things. He always makes it clear, I speak in the light of day at the temple in front of everyone, never in a corner, not in secret. Everything is out in the open. 
that those that may disagree may say so. So, you know, none of these cults start that way. You ever notice that? Cults always start in a, in a, in a little room somewhere and a, amongst a bunch of folks that have a lot of complaints in life, and, and it, it, it foments there and becomes uh, and forces it way, its way into society and polluting everyone. That's, not, that's the opposite of what we read about Jesus in the Bible, isn't it? And that's exactly how these false prophets and messiahs had operated before. Because now he makes a distinction about his followers. In other words, the true Israelites that are awaiting the Messiah, that are, are, have faith in God's promises. His followers hear his voice and know he has come from out of the Father, as the Bible puts it. Jesus is out of the Father. From heaven, out of the Father. The only begotten of the Father. He is the shepherd. And the, and, uh, and, and the uh, thieves or the robbers of souls, uh, the ones that call themselves shepherds, he is not one of them. He is, the phrase he uses, uh, not here but down a ways in verse 11, he is the good shepherd and knows his sheep by name and they recognize him by his voice. You see the, the tie there? He knows them by name. Brethren and friends, if, if you belong to the Lord, he knows you by name. And you know him by his voice. That's what I was talking about, the legitimacy of Scripture. If you know the word of God, the false scripture you will pick out in an instant. That's how we're made. That's, that's how these things work. Um, and he is the good shepherd. You know, Jesus was called, one time was called the good teacher. Someone came to him in a crowd and said, good teacher. And Jesus said, why do you call me good? And Jesus qualified it by, only God is good. Now, do you see the distinction here? I am the good shepherd. That is, he is the shepherd sent from God. The connection is really obvious here. The good shepherd. The, the one sent from God. And the qualification for a good shepherd is in <laughs> verse 11 here. And that That's is a good right. shepherd lays down his life. That's right. I am the good shepherd, and the good shepherd, his life layeth down for the sheep. Adding another another layer here. By the way, these false prophets and messiahs, they, they weren't all that willing to lay down their life, although most of them did before it was over, but it wasn't on a willing basis. Yeah. Let's, uh, let's look at 1 Peter, this idea of shepherd here. 1 Peter chapter 5, the first four verses are very good. Uh, the apostle teaching here about elders, uh, church elders, elders of the congregation, if you will, the assembly, the elders of the assembly, where on the various assemblies. Elders who are among you, I exhort, who am a fellow elder and a witness of the suffering of the Christ and of the glory about to be revealed a partaker. By the way, Young got it right here, didn't they? The glory about to be revealed. Verse 2, feed the flock of God that is among you, overseen not constraintly, but willingly, neither for filthy lucre, but of a ready mind, neither as exercising lordship over the heritages, but patterns becoming of the flock, or a pattern to the flock. And at the manifestation of the chief shepherd, you shall receive the unfading crown of glory. All right. Now this he said to the elders of the assemblies. The apostle did. Um, the chief shepherd, 
the chief shepherd is the good shepherd. There's only one chief shepherd. There's only one good shepherd. Um, there's only one, uh, one Savior, one Lord, you know, one faith, one baptism, one God. You know, we just have to get it right. And those are the basics of Christianity and knowing God, the oneness issue. You've got to know what, what it is and how it's laid out. <clears throat> the apostles, of course, spent their life teaching it. So let's look, reread verse 9 again. Jesus said, I am the door through me. If anyone may come in, he shall be saved. And he shall come in and go out and find pasture. Now he's talking about the sheep of Israel here, right? The righteous people of Israel that hear his voice. All right? The, the, the seed, the, the, the good ground that the seed of Jesus' words have fell into and has multiplied. Those that come in through the door, and the door is Jesus Christ, shall be saved. Let's look at Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. Ephesians 2.10. For of him... We are workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to good works, which God did before prepare, that in them we may walk. Now you notice that phrase, in Christ. In Christ. In Christ Jesus, or in Jesus, or in Christ. That is the concept that has been dropped out of Christendom. Now we have somehow, uh, we're the ones receiving the indwelling. Now, the indwelling is a real, real idea, but it is us. We are the, what, created in Christ? We are the new creation. Not, not Christ, he's not the new creation. We are the new creation found in Christ. And this is this passage talking about to do good works which God did prepare, that in them we may walk. These aren't the things that we have invented, friends. The good works came from God. He prepared them that we may walk in them. So the idea of the benevolent receiving another medal maybe isn't quite so true, huh? But we, the, the, re, the created souls in Christ, that's who we are. That's what Jesus is talking about here. Uh, come in through the door is Christ, and you shall be saved. Because you're in Christ, you're saved. Because you're covered by the blood of Christ. That's the application. Friends, if you can't understand that you are in Christ, how do you suppose the blood of Christ has in any way affected your life? Think about it. The Bible is very clear on this. But you do have to search it. This is the concept of being situated in Christ. The, the word is uh, EV. It's, it's in. Uh, in Christ. We go into Christ uh, in our baptism. It's the, the process, the prepositional process of the, of the, the journey that we take we're baptized in Christ, into Christ. That means we're not bound by anything else. We put aside these other things. And there are so many other things that may capture us and prohibit us from doing that. To have life and have it abundantly is what it says. Um, and that is like such John 14. John 14:6 and the other words of Jesus and Jesus saith to him one of the apostles that asked him I am the way and the truth and the life no one doth come unto the father 
if not through me. Probably one of the most powerful verses in the New Testament as far as doctrinally uh, set for the Christian faith. Because any alteration of it, any doubting of it, or misunderstanding of it even, is going to lead to a lot of problems. And Jesus teaching the apostles this. This was what they taught. This was their message. Friends, is this the message we get today, is my question. Is this the idea that we get in Christianity? That the idea is that all this is through Christ. How many religions are there out there that deny Jesus his place as being the way? And then (laughs) there's a lot of them. And they build big buildings too. But they're wrong. And God won't accept that because it's very clear uh, that's not God's that's not God's pattern for redemption. It's through Christ. Jesus made it very clear. He's not saying this because he's arrogant. He's saying this because this is the truth from heaven. That he is the way, the truth, and the life. And so we will pick this up in chapter 10 next week with verse 11 uh, talking about the good shepherd. And there's a lot... There's a lot to be said about the Good Shepherd. We pray you have a blessed week in your service to the Father and your study and your diligence towards seeking him in every way you can, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.